Hi, my name's Oren Weisfeld. I'm a freelance sports writer based in Toronto, working at Sportsnet, Yahoo Sports Canada, The Guardian, The Toronto Star, and a bunch of other publications. And I just covered the Canadian national team winning bronze at the FIBA World Cup, which was a very exciting time for all of us in Canada. You are listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Cabrera Ron. You guys know me as Kobe. And today I've got anyone who's a fan of Canadian basketball, and specifically the Raptors. I've got a sports writer, sports journalist, analyst, and host of The Wrap-Up, which is a post-game Raptors show and podcast, Oren Weisfeld. Oren, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing well and happy to happy to finally join you guys here. No, good to have you on, buddy. Good to have you on. Before we get into what it is you do, let's let's talk about how you got there. I mean, most of it is centered around the Raptors, correct? Yeah, pretty much. It's definitely centered around basketball. Um, I have been branching out a bit from the Raptors, doing some NBA, WNBA, and Canada basketball stuff. But yeah, a lot. Last couple of years, definitely mostly Raptors and, and now just a lot of basketball. Now, were you a fan first, then journalist or journalist and became a fan? No, I was I was definitely a fan first, although I would say the two things came at similar times. As I got into journalism, I also got into the Raptors. So, yeah, I, would, I guess I, I guess they kind of came at the same time. But um, specifically my Raptors coverage, I was a fan of the Raptors before I started going to games and actually covering them on a day-to-day basis. Okay, and favorite Raptor of all time? Favorite Raptor of all time? Uh, DeMar DeRozan. He oh. was the guy who really got me into the Raptors. And yeah, I think I think part of it was coming to it from like a non- analytical standpoint like even back then like we didn't I didn't have like Twitter so I wasn't even like really in tune with I guess all the information that I have now like every game you just kind of see what people are saying and I think you have a lot better idea of like who's really impacting winning but back then I was just like oh this guy is a sick dunker you know <laughs> yeah. he's the lot he's the guy who has the ball at the end of the, the the game and who's taking the big shots and who has this sick footwork in the in like the painted area and i just kind of fell in love with derozan's game and also like his off-court personality i just he was one of the first toronto athletes who was just like brutally honest about you know everything that kind of was happening off the court and yeah. kind of humanized himself that way too so in that way, I felt like he was a lot more human than Kyle Lowry, who was kind of just a grouch. And so that's, yeah, he, he's my my goat raptor. Okay, and where did you get started in journalism? I started uh, writing at 
the Western Gazette when I went to Western. I just kind of needed a hobby and uh, thought working at a newspaper would be an interesting one. So that's where I started covering sports there. But my real like entry point into sports media was at Raptors Republic. Okay. So like many people, once I graduated university, I kind of needed... Yeah, I guess I wanted to break into the industry, and I figured the best way to do that was through Raptors Republic. So I started writing there. At the time, Blake Murphy was managing the website, and every season I would just write more and more for the site to the point where it was like daily by the by the end of my writing days there. And that's where I really learned to write, to be honest, and like that's the advice that... I give people always is just like read and write as much as you can and try to find a platform that gives you that freedom. And that's what Raptors Republic did was like, I was just writing almost every day about the Raptors and kind of forced me to find different angles and, and write about the team in different ways. And that's where I really learned how to like write about sports. Now, as a sports fan and analyst, whenever I hear somebody say Western, I immediately think Mustangs, I think football. Did you cover mm-hmm. their football team at all or no? No, because that was like a more competitive, you know, field. It was like you had to have, I guess, more um, seniority there to cover the football team. Okay. And I've also just never been into football. Like, I like to go into the games. The, obviously, yeah, Western games are like a very big thing. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. It is a big football school. Um, but yeah, I I was just never into football personally. So I covered like rugby and soccer when I went to Western primarily. And yeah, it really was like, get in where you fit in. Like there was also a basketball writer who was doing that. So I couldn't really break into that. So I was just kind of doing what there was an opening for. And also like, those were sports that I grew up playing. So I liked. Yeah, I was going to get into that. So you played basketball growing up? No, I played soccer growing up. That was like my oh, okay. main sport. And uh, I played rugby in high school as well. But uh, no, I, I never played competitive basketball. And I came to it pretty late. Like I only got into basketball when I was in like grade eight, nine. And yeah, I'm pretty short. Never, never a good basketball player. And yeah, just like until I went to high school, I went to like Oakwood Collegiate, which is a huge basketball high school in Toronto. But all the schools I went to before that were like alternative small schools and they never had basketball teams or like a culture of basketball. So I just never got into it until high school. And um, ever since then, now I play a lot of basketball. Yeah. And Toronto is like Raptors crazy. I mean, Toronto Raptors is Canada's team. But do, do you think it's time that we got another team, NBA team in Canada? Um, I don't think we need it, honestly. Maybe that's, like, I think maybe people would disagree with me in, like, Alberta and BC, but I feel like the Toronto Raptors fill that hole for most Canadians. Like, if you want a pro men's basketball team to cheer for, you have one in Toronto. And also, like, as people, as, you know, fans of the Vancouver Grizzlies know, like, you're not always going to get such a good organization. (laughs) Right. And like, yeah, there's reasons to poke holes at the Raptors right now. But generally speaking, they're like a very well run organization with good ownership and good management and all that stuff. And so, yeah, sometimes you wish for, you know, what's the saying? Like 
your wishes come true and, and they end up not really being a good thing. So I definitely think the Raptors, for now at least, fulfill that hole for Canadian basketball fans. But I think what we need more is like a WNBA team in Canada. Then we would kind of have a couple different, you know, one's a summer sport, one's a winter sport. And then we would just kind of have the whole um, field kind of taken care of. Yeah, I hear you there. I hear you. I think the uh, the preseason game they had in Toronto showed that a WNBA team is definitely viable here. Now, you had mentioned you could pull a, poke, a, poke a couple of holes in the current Raptor organization. What what are you talking about there? <laughs> yeah, well, where do we start? I Let's mean, hear it. Things Let's hear not, it. <laughs> things definitely aren't looking great right now. This is the most disappointing offseason they've had since I started covering the team. Or even really since I started watching the team, I would say. Um, it's They're in a tough spot, um, for sure. Just with this whole Fred Van Vliet leaving for nothing. I feel like that really made Pascal Siakam kind of a little bit less, make less sense on this team. Because at least then, if you had Fred and Pascal, you could kind of make the argument that you're trying to compete now while still keeping all your your youth. Yep. But now that Fred's not here, you really just have this one guy who's in the prime of his career and everyone else is is pretty young in terms of the core. So it doesn't really make sense that Pascal Siakam's still on this team, but at the same time, you're not going to trade him for nothing just for the point of trading him. So they put themselves in a really tough position, and it is obviously... It's nobody's fault but their own, and I'm I'm curious for sure how the front office is going to whittle their way out of this, because I still believe in the front office largely, but they have definitely made a mistake with the Fred thing and, and with not trading guys at the trade deadline, and yeah, in hindsight, it's easy to say that it, they made some mistakes. Okay, now there are a number of young players that are looking to have to step up this particular season, one of which is... Dennis Schroeder is probably going to take in the point guard position. After his performance in the FIBA World Cup tournament, what do you think his, his chances are of making an immediate impact for the Raptors? Yeah, I think he'll be good for the Raptors. I don't want to overreact to the World Cup. Like He, he did look really good there, and I think that's a reason to be excited if you're a Raptors fan because as different as the FIBA game and the NBA game is, it's still really impressive. Everything Schroeder was doing there, his shot looked really good. So I'm excited to see Schroeder. I think he'll definitely have a big impact on this team, just in the sense that there's not a lot of guards. There's not a lot of guard play. There's not a lot of guys who do what he brings to the table. So just like kind of Fred was so important because he was the only guard. Mm -hmm. I think Schroeder will have a similar kind of importance. But at the same time, I'm not expecting too much for him. I kind of expect him to come off the bench still. I expect him to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes a night. Okay. And um, I, I don't expect him to be like one of their three or four best players yet. Now, who do you think has to step up? What young player has to step up for them to have a half-decent season? Yeah, I mean... The truth is, like, as much as you want to give these answers and just say Scotty Barnes, if they want to be good next year, 
a bunch of young guys have to step up. That's the only way. Like, Gary has to be better. OG has to be better. Coloco has to be better. Precious Achua has to be better. Yeah, a lot of the young guys have to be better. But if I was to pick just one, I would definitely say Scotty. Okay. A, because we know that he, unlike some of the other guys I mentioned, he is a guy who likes to have the ball in his hands, likes to play, makes, facilitate, run the show. And so if you're going to do that, you have a lot more potential to impact the game than a rim runner like Christian Coloco. And B, because Scotty's upside is just so high that if he ever does reach it, I think his upside is is a long, it, it's, it's past anyone else on the team other than maybe Siakam. So if Scotty can get anywhere nearing kind of fulfilling his potential as soon as next season, then they have a real shot at being good. Okay. And outside of Scotty Barnes, amongst the names that you'd mentioned there, who impressed you the most last season? Hmm. Yeah, I guess among the names I mentioned, it would be Christian Coloco. Okay. I was really disappointed with Gary Trent Jr.'s year. I just didn't think he really grew in any areas. I was really disappointed in Precious Achua's year, but I give him some slack because he dealt with injuries kind of throughout the whole season and never found his rhythm. But Coloco, for a, a first-year big man to come and play significant minutes at different parts of the season, be a part of the rotation, not look lost, I think it's big just because typically the big man position is the one that takes the longest for players to learn in the NBA. Yeah, it's very rare that a, a rookie can come in and and play as a as a five man, and Coloco did that. So I I kind of have pretty big expectations for him this year. He's still going to come off the bench. Obviously, they brought in Jakob Pertl, but Coloco he's a different type of center than Pertl is, and. I think he could play a really big factor into this team this year because, yeah, last year he couldn't... As much as the, people make fun of the Thad Young trade and trading back in that draft, and you look at a guy like um, Andrew Nemhard, who the Raptors could have selected had they not made that trade, and he looked fantastic looked in his amazing. review with the Pacers. Yeah, As much as all that is true, I will say that there is still a real shot that Coloco is better than anyone taken in that range. We just don't know yet. But based on the rookie season he had, I think uh, people should be pretty encouraged. Okay. So given that and given the youth on this team and the, the situation they find themselves in, it's maybe unlikely they make it to the playoffs. Do you think Pascal Siakam is still on this roster at the end of next season? Um, oh, man, I, I, I can't really ever answer this question. <laughs> I guess if I had to give an answer, I'll say no. I'll say no. Okay. I, I think I, if I were to bet he would actually get traded in the off season, this off season, rather than waiting until the trade deadline. Yeah. But if they do hold on to Siakam and they, and they do bring him in and, and this is the team I, I think this is definitely like a play-in, playoff team. I think people have gotten a little too low on them. Obviously, the pieces don't fit as well as you would like them to, but just the talent alone, if you bring all these guys back with Siakam, with Barnes a year older, with all these guys a year older, I, I do think like the Vegas odds, for example, putting them at 34 wins, I think that's a little low for me. Okay. I think they're closer to like a 40-win team, but yeah, if I were to bet... They kind of take the, they kind of go a bit younger, trade Siakam, try to 
basically position themselves to trade for that next star in the in the next couple of years. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Okay, so kind of going from that to the FIBA tournament, right, and the fact we got our first medal, do you think the Raptors' success plays a big role in Team Canada's success? Um, no. Like, how do you mean? Like, is it the motivating factor to get youth into basketball here in Canada? No, I don't think they really relate to each other, to be honest. I, I think um, it was definitely exciting what those young guys did at the FIBA World Cup, and I think the Raptors would love to have a number of those players on their team, not the least of which Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who we know they've been lusting over for years. Yeah, But um, I think Masai Ujiri has kind of said it, that he doesn't believe the only way to, you know, kind of be good is, is to completely bottom out and rebuild with through the draft and through a bunch of youth. I think he believes that the best way to kind of attack the NBA marketplace is by being opportunistic. And that could mean that if the opportunity is there to trade for Damian Lillard, you take it. And if the opportunity is there to trade Siakam for a bunch of first round picks, you take it, right? Like, yeah. They could go in either way, just depending on where the marketplace is. I think that's more so the Raptors kind of philosophy, more so than, you know, going young, like a team like Houston or OKC and just completely bottoming out for draft picks. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, but I don't think the two things are too related, no. Okay, so me personally, I haven't really paid too much attention to FIBA basketball in the past. I mean, this this time around, I paid close attention because of all the hype and such leading leading up to the tournament about Team Canada. I wanted to see what it was all about. And personally, I actually think the game is a little more old school than, than what I expected. They kind of let them play. It's a, it's a little little rougher in the paint, right? <laughs> like, right. So how, how long have you covered FIBA? Yeah, I I started watching it in like 2019, I guess. Um and then I started really covering it in 2021, which is was when they had like the Olympic qualifying tournament in Victoria BC, which is a, I went there and that was the first time I kind of covered the oh. Canadian men's team. Okay. So what what do you think of the format? I love the FIBA game. Yeah, to me, it's a huge brush of fresh air from watching the NBA season. Like, yes. my friend Aiden Moss <laughs> and I, who also does the wrap-up, we love to just complain about all the various NBA things. Like, whether it's just, like, these soft fouls or all the time they take for video reviews or even the 82 games or even the isolation basketball yeah, And I feel like a lot of my complaints are things that I don't complain about in FIBA. E- even the length of a game is another one and the flow of a game. So, yeah, I love FIBA. I love that they can be more aggressive and the defense actually has a chance. Whereas in the NBA, <laughs> yeah. you're, the offensive player is just so favored. Such an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Such an advantage. Now, do, yeah. do you follow the CBL at all? <laughs> 
Yep. Yep. Big fan of the CEBL. Okay. So how do you think the CEBL is developing? I mean, it's young, right? It's a very new league. Mm-hmm. But how do you see it developing so far? Man, I'm th- I think they've done like a fantastic job given the fact that it's only five years old, this league. Um, they're expanding really quickly. I know this year the the record the number of like fans in attendance was just like blown out of the doors pretty much like every week in some of these different markets. So they're definitely doing well in regards to in-person att- attendance. The deal with TSN is good that now they're on TV more. So yeah, I'm I'm really impressed by the way they've put the league together. I think it's just been from the start such a great opportunity for Canadians to stay in Canada and play in front of their friends and family. And, you know, I have a lot of friends. Again, I went to Oakwood and a lot of Oakwood alumni are in that league. Brody Clark, Tyrell Green, guys like that who were in Europe and, and still sometimes play in Europe in the winters, but now in the summer have a league to play in at home. So it's really good in terms of like keeping our talent in Canada. But going back to the FIBA stuff, I think they have struck a really good balance in terms of the the rules, right? And the Elam ending, which is kind of a twist, but then they also have a lot of the FIBA rules in terms of just the general gameplay. Yeah. And so, yeah, the flow of the game, the physicality, I think they've struck a really good balance. And every year in terms of the talent, obviously, it's going to get better and better. We're nowhere near like the NBA. But when you look at the flow of the game and the rules in the Elam ending, I, I think all that stuff they've they've done right. Have you attended games? No, I'm yet to go to a CBL game, actually. Okay, I'm in the same boat. I've talked to a few people that have and they say the fan experience is, is pretty awesome, actually. And yeah, I'm I surprised I haven't been to the Scarborough Shooting Stars game, but I, yeah. I definitely will get out there next year. A hundred percent. No, I, I'm I'm going for sure next year as well. I've heard nothing but good things about the fan experience, so it's definitely something I want to check out. And I mean, the Raptors put on a fantastic show, of course, but you're talking about pennies on the dollar when it comes to seeing a CBL game. So right, and you can well probably also just yeah get like closer to the action as well. I'm sure you can get seats that are really close to courtside for pretty affordable and when you watch basketball games courtside it's a different experience yeah it's next level right so now you said there's a good combination of the rules do you believe the cbl league benefits team canada in the long term yeah for sure i mean in a way they benefit each other right because i mean uh i'm I'm gonna forget his name but I mean, even a guy like Thomas Kennedy, who is the center for this shooting stars, and and then Khalil, what's his name, the other center for this shooting stars. Yeah, so guys like Thomas Kennedy and Khalif Young, for example, are, you know, two young guys on the Scarborough shooting stars, and they're benefited because they got to both play with Canada Basketball Winter Corps in you know last winter and that was part of the group that went in 11 and 1 in qualifying for the FIBA World Cup that we just got bronze in okay there was 34 players in total that kind of helped Canada do that obviously the NBA players are only available in the summer so it was a ton of other Canadians and a lot of them had CBL ties so yeah I think the the two play off each other because not only is Canada basketball helping you know bring attention to some of these guys they're also developing players like Cliff Young and 
and Thomas Kennedy because, again, these are young players who don't have a ton of experience. And when you do get to play the FIBA game, you get to just learn different rules and you're going also up against pros and against national teams that have been together for so young. So I feel like Team Canada kind of helps develop those players who then go to the CEBL and are even better than they were previously. And then the CEBL also just benefits Canada basketball as well. So yeah, I think they both play off each other. Yeah, it's a good relationship between the two organizations, basically. Now, given our success at the FIBA World Cup, should we be considered one of the favorites going into Paris? It's hard to say. I think we kind of have to wait to see rosters before we can say. Um, Certainly like a top five, top six favorite, but I wouldn't say like we're gold medal or podium favorites until we see the rosters because if Canada say we bring back the exact same roster that we brought to the World Cup, but Serbia brings Nikola Jokic to their team and the United States brings Steph and LeBron, (laughs) then I just can't say Canada is like a gold medal favorite, right? But if we have Jamal Murray and Andrew Wiggins added to this group, maybe, then I could look at it and actually think like, okay, these guys could beat anybody. So kind of have to see how the rosters play out before. And that depends on injuries and contracts and so much stuff that you just can't say yet. Okay, no, that's fair. Yeah, until we see the rosters, you can't really make a prediction. Mm-hmm. But you can make a prediction about the NBA season. What What's the top team in the East? Top team in the East next season? The East is wide open. That's the interesting thing. That's why I almost wish that the Raptors would make like an all-out trade for a guy like Damian Lillard, just because... I'm looking at it. I don't like what Boston did. They're still going to win a lot of games, but I just don't like giving up Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis. Milwaukee's getting old. The Sixers are an absolute mess right now, right? The Heat, if they don't get Dame, they lost a bunch of really key guys because they let them walk in free agency. So, yeah, it's it's not the most competitive conference. Looking at next season, it looks like the West is going to be a lot better. But if I had to say right now, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Even though they're pretty old, I think it's Giannis' revenge season. I think he's going for that MVP again. And um, they still have the same core. They have a lot of continuity. And I think they're going to be a really good uh, regular season team again. Do, do you think, let's talk about the first pick of the NBA draft, one of the most anticipated picks in any draft in a long time. Do you think Victor Wembanyama has a standout season in his first year or no? Oh, yeah, I, I do. I I, th- I probably got too high on Victor, but I did say to some people that he could be an all-star next year. In his first and, season. Yeah, I believe that. Even though, again, it's going to be tough in the West. I don't know. I've just, I've just never seen anyone like him. So it wouldn't shock me if he shoots the ball well. We know he's going to be a good defender. And he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. So, yeah, I don't think the Spurs are going to be good, to be clear. But I do think that Victor could have, like, such good counting stats that he could be in the all-star conversation in his first year. Do you play fantasy basketball? I do. Is he a first-round pick? I haven't gone through the thought exercise. I guess not. (laughs) There's only 10 first-round picks, right? Yeah. Like, in my league, it would be 10 people. So... No, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far because his 
I guess his averages and his turnovers will probably be it's like his shooting percentages and his turnovers will probably just be not that good, right? Yeah. But he will get you a ton of blocks. He'll get you a ton of threes. So it's not he is a good pick. Okay. Okay. I I'm very interested in watching what he does. I'll give people a fantasy sleeper because uh I, I was just thinking about it. All this right, let's year. hear it. And I feel like a guy that's going to really drop in a lot of leagues is Cat. And I think I would take Cat if he's still there in like the second, third round. Because he's still the second option on that team. You still know what you're going to get from Cat. Highly efficient player, tons of threes. So don't sleep on Cat. Now, we should be getting tons of threes and a pretty decent field goal percentage out of Grady Dick, correct? I hope so. I'm curious to see how much he's going to play for sure. Um, because as long as they're bringing Gary Trent Jr. back, which it seems like they are, it, I just don't know how many kind of defensive liabilities you can play at the same time, right? Yeah. And that is my question with Dick. I think he could play right away as an offensive player. But I, I was in Summer League this year. It was my first time going to Vegas. And I was impressed with him overall because yeah. he he's just a smart player reads the floor really well but he is pretty small and not his technique on defense is not where you want it to be so i think he's going to get picked on a lot as a defensive player so i do worry in in regards to his defense but definitely by the end of the season we'll be seeing a lot of grady dick but at the beginning i'm not sure how much Okay, now let's talk a little bit about your your post game show and podcast, the wrap up. Is, is it a PG affair or is it rated R? What is it? Um, no, it, uh, it's actually we've kind of we're supposed to be PG because <laughs> if, you, to be? if you swear <laughs> if you swear then you have to on YouTube put in that you yes, know that I know it basically limits the audience. It is not for uh, kids. But I would say we swear on like 75% of episodes. So so how hard is it going to be to it's not hard. make all sorts of jokes about Grady Dick this season? Well, technically that's okay because, <laughs> you know, that's not a swear word. That's just his name. So I guess it depends on how you say it. All right. So we're probably going to hear a lot of dick puns going on this particular season definitely tune in to the wrap up yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch raptors games hoping that the commentators mess up and say something somewhat inappropriate as a result of it oh Al- alvin williams is definitely gonna purposely make a lot of great <laughs> jokes he, he does not give a damn i remember last season when he made the jokes about like i don't know if they were like farting jokes but he was he, he he's just out of pocket and that's um, right <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not actually gonna be a big part of the wrap-up this season but hopefully it will continue with some other guests and and some other hosts and you know we've been doing it for like three seasons now and this will be the fourth so i hope that um some other people kind of take over okay so where would our fans find you on social media yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Oren Weisfeld. That's that's where I post all my work. The X. The X, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And what are some of the uh like networks or publications that you're currently writing for? Yeah, so I'm writing a lot for Sportsnet and Yahoo Sports Canada. That's where I was doing like a lot of FIBA work and I'll be doing a lot of 
Raptors work at Yahoo, and then I've been writing this column now for like a year at Sportsnet on Canadian basketball pretty much every Friday over at Sportsnet.ca, focusing on like Canadians in the NBA and the WNBA and the NCAA and just kind of all levels of basketball. So those are the main ones. And then once in a while, right, for like an American publication as well, but not those are the consistent ones for sure. Right on. Now, unless things have changed, last I heard, uh, Canada is the second most represented nation in the NBA, correct? Yeah, and I think this will be the 10th straight season of that being the case. Yeah, so a lot of talent coming out of our nation. So people should be proud. Basketball fans should definitely be proud, and especially coming back with a medal from FIBA. 100% you got to celebrate that. I hope, I hope it's being talked about more than just on shows like this. But, Oren, honestly, awesome having you on, buddy. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. It was a long time coming. I I know that you guys reached out a while back and I wanted to make this happen for a while. So happy, happy we finally got it done. Oh, it was a good time, man. I'm glad we got to talk a bit about the FIBA World Cup. I'm glad we came away with the medal. It's fantastic. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. There's no sport is left behind.